Um, before we introduce uh, our next uh, guest, um, I have a few uh, emails uh, left over which will sort of lead us into the conversation partly. Um, this one from Alonso says, uh, while the average number of daily local COVID cases has exceeded 30,000 over the past couple of weeks, imported cases have remained almost non-existent for some time, consistently in single digits per day in recent weeks. The vast majority, if not all, of the medical experts who've appeared on your show in recent weeks have opined that the city's current mandated 14-day hotel quarantine for arrivals makes little sense and should be relaxed. And yet, our uh, head-in-the-sand administration is still choosing to ignore this advice and to compound the problem for Hong Kongers looking to return to Hong Kong. The government is considering uh, imposing bans on airlines for relatively minor breaches of COVID regulations. Take yesterday's decision to ban a Thai Airways from operating passenger flights from Bangkok to Hong Kong for 14 days, beginning today. This comes after one passenger tested positive on arrival and a further two passengers failed to to comply with COVID restrictions last week. While I'm not defending any apparent weaknesses in Thai Airways COVID monitoring systems, I suggest that the government imposes a hefty fine on the airline rather than penalise the hundreds of compliant passengers who are keen to return to Hong Kong. They are now left in the lurch, unable to come, possibly facing a monetary hit for cancelling their hotel, hotel uh, quarantine. That from Alonso. And Leslie Ann writes, uh, Dear Backchat, can someone please explain why we still have an eight-country flight ban and quarantine when Hong Kong has thousands more cases daily than almost any other uh, place and the highest death rate in the world. If they need hotel rooms so badly, why do they not allow incoming passengers who test negative to go home? Catching two to three incoming cases a day is nothing compared to the dire COVID situation in Hong Kong. They need to be kinder to their citizens and let families reunite. And uh, uh, briefly... Uh, here, uh, this one says, uh, could your guest please explain how if you test positive on arrival from overseas, you have to isolate and if negative on day six and seven are free to rejoin the community. But if you test negative on arrival, you are required to do hotel quarantine for 14 days. Thank you. Um, a number of our uh, Listeners have remarked on apparent, uh, you know, anomalies in the uh, illogicalities. I think. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Anyway, we're now joined on the line by Dr. George Cawthorley, Vice Chairman of the Hong Kong International Chamber of Commerce. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning, Jim. So uh, you will be, I guess, uh, looking forward to the day, uh, hopefully soon, when international flights can resume. Uh, of course, but whether it's soon is a question mark. Mm. Yeah. What, what's your feeling about it? I mean, uh, do, 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 you, do you have a hunch? I mean, obviously you're following the situation, changes in the situation. Um, how do you think it might turn out? Well, I mean, um, I don't think we're very optimistic considering the history so far. Um, I mean, uh, um, the, this ban on the airlines, for instance, doesn't really make much sense because... Um, as Professor Gabriel Lerner stated, the level of locally generated cases is now so high that really the ban is irrelevant. Um, and all arriving, anyway, all arriving passengers are tested and quarantined. So since the quarantine, since the quarantine regime uh, for inbound arrivals was instituted, actually 
how many infections have been transferred by them to the Hong Kong community. I mean, I think there's probably very, very, very few. Um, and I mean, all the while, while, while we're having this uh, quarantine regime, uh, it's definitely having an adverse impact on our economy. And I mean, as a chamber, we've uh, put that position forward since the second half of last year. And, and our view is the longer that we have to institute inbound quarantine, the more damage that's going to do uh, to our economy. And uh, the more likely it is to do some irreversible damage. So, you know, really, uh, this is not a very sensible policy. And countries like uh, uh, Singapore have a very different attitude um, towards towards COVID now, although Singapore started off like us, uh, trying to achieve zero um, COVID. Um, and after 18 months, you know, they realized that uh, things were, COVID was going to become endemic, um, and it was something that they had to um, employ a measured um, live with COVID uh, scenario, which they've done. Um, and they have, you know, for instance, if you um, test with a rapid test, antigen test positive, um, basically you're supposed to stay at home. You're not even required to report it. Um, and then after 72 hours, um, you are uh, required to test again. And if it's negative, you can resume normal activity. If it's positive, you go on another 72 hours uh, and test again. Um, and then if you're not happy with your symptoms, then you can call a doctor, go and see a doctor. Um, so they've got a much more practical um, approach. And I think that obviously international businesses are going to compare that with Hong Kong. Um, and when they're looking where to place pe people, I think you know there's going to be a very considerable bias towards thinking, well, perhaps Singapore is the place now. Uh, they approach this in a much more rational way. George, what would be a sensible regime in terms of source of uh, the people coming or the airlines? What, what would be a rational arrangement in your mind? Well, I think, I mean, I can see no reason why you can't allow all airlines to fly into Hong Kong. Um, that's, you know, except from countries that really have a big uh, COVID problem at the point, uh, present time. Um, but you've got all these European countries, you've got um, the United States, all on a, a live with COVID uh, regime now. Um, and they seem to be coping internally pretty well. Um, their, their healthcare system seems to be managing. Um, so we're really totally out of step. Um, and, you know, we are, our economy is an externally focused economy. We're China's international financial center. Um, we just can't be cutting ourselves off uh, from the international community um, any longer, really. But it's clear that China has very strict standards, so we, we're still not able to travel there, are we? Well, I think if you've got, you know, if you've got the choice of uh, staying with China and cutting off the rest of the world, or cutting off with China and staying with the rest of the world, I think the latter is the one to choose, because we're an international center, and we have to have access, and international people have to have access to us. It's more important for them than to have access to China. 
We are talking about uh, policy, of course, government policy. We do regularly invite uh, uh, government uh, officials uh, onto the programme. Um, it's, uh, it's not sort of uh, very successful at the moment. I mean, I, I mean everybody involved with the health, health system, of course, is very busy. Um, they did um, refer us on Friday to remarks... Uh, by the chief executive in uh, news conferences that, that she was giving last week, uh, one of which, when she was asked about the continuing flight bans, she said now's not the time to lift them because um, inevitably uh, a lot of people will rush to come back and some of them uh, will be infected cases and that could, uh, she said, that they may even be critically ill cases arising from the returns and that would add a lot of pressure to our public hospital system. Um, uh, do you think the CE has a point there? Well, I mean, it depends how you do it. So at the moment, you're banning them completely. Uh, so if you then allow them to fly in and you maintain your quarantine regime and you test them, uh, then bit by bit, uh, as things calm down, uh, you can do away with uh, your quarantine regime. But I mean, I think you know, we would accept... Um, increasing flights into Hong Kong based on quarantine um, and, and gradually ramp it up. Um, what about the point that one of our uh, listeners made in an email I read out just now about, um, I think it was the ban on uh, flights from uh, Thailand, uh, sorry, Thai Airways. Thai, Thai Airways, yeah, Thai Airways. You know, you know, why not just slap a fine on the airline rather than, uh, you know, rather than suspend their services? Cause, well, I think, uh, yeah, just have a fine if you stop them flying they lose a lot more money um, but I think it's, it's, it's reasonable I mean uh, find them rather than ban them completely I mean if they transgress serially then you may have to think about banning them well, um, the point that the listener was making I think was the, the consequential effect on people who booked with that airline for the following week if the ban is implemented straight away Passengers are being unfairly penalised, um, uh, um, and yes, it's it's not sensible to do that. Uh, and you'll get, you know, uh, a, a better feeling from passengers about Hong Kong if they don't have to go through those uh, penalties. Mm. Okay, um, we're joined uh, on the line now as well by um, um, Alan Zeman, the chairman of the Lang Kwai Fong Group. Uh, but just before we uh, speak to Alan, um, uh, a few more emails here from listeners, which I'd like to read out quickly. Uh, so Sarah says, it's not only families being split up by flight bans. Our domestic helper went back to the Philippines for a family emergency at the start of December with the plan to come back in early January. She got stuck in the Philippines and is currently scheduled to return on April the 21st. Besides uh, spending in the region of $50,000 to get her home and back to Hong Kong, including multiple non-refundable flights and quarantine hotels, our family has been suffering without the additional help. We are two working parents who own a small business, a toddler and a seven-year-old doing home learning, and the mental health toll has been high. 
Assuming she gets back in April, once quarantine has been completed, she'll have, she will have been away for almost five months. I'm sure we are not the only family in this position, families that are desperate for help so that they can work and get some respite. The Philippines is reporting just 500 cases per day at the moment, which begs the question why they are continuing with this flight ban. Can the government explain what criteria these banned countries need to fulfil in order for the ban to be reconsidered? If the government can at least provide this, then at least we, it will give us some understanding of the thought process and when we might expect to see the ban lifted. Um, Alan says, uh, while flights cannot come in, are, are there flights out to these countries? Um, um, that from Alan? Um, uh, well, I believe so, certainly to some of the destinations. Some of them, yes. And, and um, this uh, from uh, Pradhan says... Um, I would like to check, since there's a flight ban and also a country ban on the UK, etc., if one is approaching a three years period limit of entering Hong Kong, is the Immigration Department extending this deadline until we come out of the epidemic and travel resumes to normal status? I'm not exactly sure what you're referring to there. Maybe the, the, the requirement to come back every three years in order to keep your permanent residency status uh, um, um, I'll have another look at that later on. And also, um, some of these uh, emails are, are questions for uh, our medical uh, guests, so um, in which case we'll save those till tomorrow because, uh, as I say, we have with us uh, George Cawthorley from the Hong Kong International Chamber of Commerce and also Alan Zeman, uh, chairman of the Lan Kwai Fong Group. Uh, Alan Zeman, good morning to you. Good morning. So... Um, What's your position on the on the international flight ban? You would like to see... Well, obviously, just, for the sake of Hong Kong, <laughs> continuing on, uh, it's important that we get the flight ban um, lifted as quickly as possible. Um, I know that uh, if uh, last Friday during uh, the press conference uh, that the CE gave at 11 a.m., uh, she pointed out that uh, she understands uh, that the, you know, that the international community, uh, many people who are abroad, whether it's UK, U US, wherever, uh, cannot return back to Hong Kong at the moment because of the flight ban. And uh, her explanation was that uh, she's worried about uh, putting more pressure on the hospitals, and so um, she has, she promised that as soon as uh, the as soon as the uh, virus subsides, uh, she will take an overall look at the border control, and you know, and, and then hopefully uh, she, she'll be able to uh, make some uh, lifting. You know, that's why I think they originally put April 20th as the date uh, because they think that the uh, virus might be peaking at the moment. Hopefully, we can have another week of uh, the numbers around what they are, and then. And then it, in other countries, it has decreased rapidly like a rocket ship going down. So hopefully by towards the end of April, uh, and with uh, what some of the metal class experts have said, maybe we'll have a thousand or a few hundred a day, which would be great. We can get, get our life back. But I think it's really, really important that uh, those nine uh, countries that are uh, banned from flying to Hong Kong, um, I think that should be lifted at the moment. Uh, um, you know, I, I think that uh, it's 
we're an international city. It doesn't make sense to me, and I, I can understand two sides, but still it's important uh, that, that also people who are returning, um, instead of 14-day quarantine, we should drop it to seven-day quarantine. Uh, you know, get back to life. Yeah, Alan, it, yes. this, good morning. Um, morning. We're being clobbered, aren't we? Uh, the economy, and especially, I, especially restaurants. I. Yeah, well, it's not just yeah. I mean, restaurants, uh, bars, clubs, right? Uh, you name it. Uh, just every industry, retail, every industry is, is totally. And that's that was my whole criticism: is we have to have a balance. I understand. Um, you know, it's unfortunate we have such a high death toll at the moment, but it's you know it's the elderly people and and whatever, I don't want to get into that, the reasons for that, but, uh, you know, 90% were unvaccinated, and uh, but we still have life, people living here and, and need jobs, and, you know, I've called out for ESS, Employment Subsidy Scheme, like, like we had in 2020, uh, where, you know, employees were able to get up to 9,000 if, uh, if employers did not fire them. You know, these are things that are really, really important uh, because many, many businesses are in life support at the moment. Right. If, if people are tested and prove negative before they go on the plane yeah. and again on arrival, wh 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 what's the loophole? Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with you, Mike. I think that uh, because what's the difference if people are going out and, and people get tested and some are positive? I had many staff that have been positive. They've isolated at home and, and uh, you know, five, six, seven a week later, uh, they've tested negative. They're back at work now, you know. And so and so I think that uh, we just have to have a sensible approach. I think that it's really something, you know, this is new to us and, and uh, whether government miscalculated the Omicron or whatever, it's that's a whole other story. But I'm just saying we really have to look at Hong Kong. We, we because otherwise Hong Kong itself will 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 will, will not be around uh, as we know it. What about the new rule for civil servants? I'm I'm not sure I fully understand that, but they can come back to work I know, quite quickly. I know. I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I mean, because there's a necessity for it, I understand. And then and, and, uh, some of the medical uh, practitioners have said that, uh, you know, their viral, viral load is pretty low. And, and, and so they, you know, they won't infect anybody so they can come back to work even if they test positive. Yeah. You know, uh, we just really need a team, both business people and medical experts to sit down together with the government, which I've been calling for for a long time, and literally talk about the way forward. Uh, all people want is clarity. All people want to know is their future. When can I come back to Hong Kong? When can the flight start? Um, what can I do? What, you know, how can I keep my job? How can you know, when will businesses open? The problem is right now. Yes, the government has made. <laughs> giant steps by me, me having a press conference every day at 11 a.m. And, you know, but I mean, we need some passion there. You need, some, you know, you need uh, the, the messages should be of, of positivity and, and, you know, and, and some of it is, but it's a lot better than it was before when you had different government people speaking out and, and giving different uh, 
opinions, but uh, you know, this is not you know going to an isolation uh, facility. It's not like being sentenced to to a jail sentence. You know, it's it's uh, it's to help the people that that are that do have to go there. And uh, so I just I think the messages need to be softer, and we we should all be working together to get through this. Hopefully, we're near the end of it or the tail end of it, coming out of the turbulence while we're on the airplane. On that subject, uh, if I can quote from the chief executive's uh, news conference last Thursday, she said, uh, at this moment, it's not the time to add more pressure to their work, talking about frontline medical staff. But I can tell you that we have plans after controlling this fifth wave and preferably having the compulsory universal testing that will enable us to eliminate any remaining infections in society. We will certainly have plans or a pathway to open up Hong Kong again for our own people and for international travel. Um, I mean, the, the CE is talking about a pathway to opening up. Um, uh, Alan Zeman, does, does that give you much confidence? Um, I just like more clarity. I understand that, listen, at some point we will have to open up. There's no, there's no doubt. Um, the big problem we have is that uh, the emphasis is also, has, has always been on opening the border with China first. And if you can open the border with China, then we can open up the international. That was always the excuse from the government before. But I think that uh, at this point, we can see the Omicron is now <laughs> taking off in China. And uh, I'm not sure how long we will have to take uh, before we can even open up the border with, uh, uh, with China. And so, uh, but we have to open the international. We have businesses, you know, uh, we have head offices here. They have to bring executives out. Uh, they can't go into quarantine. Otherwise, they, they can't stay here. And so I think that uh, it, we, we will have to open up the, you know, the international channel. I have an idea, which I haven't really broached the government, but I may as well tell you right now, uh, yeah. if the border can't open with China, Beijing was very successful during the Olympics, where they had the travel bubble, where uh, all the athletes came out, stayed in the Olympic Village, and, and didn't go into the city, and everything was good. We had a, a great Olympics, and everybody was fine, um, and better than the Tokyo one. And, and so I think that why can't we, if the border with China really cannot open for a, a long time, period of time, why not have Hong Kong with the international community have a travel bubble whereby Hong Kong becomes the gateway to China for people to, who do have to go into China, you know, then they'll have to spend the quarantine, whatever the quarantine days are in China. Uh, but at least Hong Kong can then act as, as, as the bubble with the world and, and, and still have your seven-day quarantine for people coming in or, or, as Mike says, people testing negative before they get on the airplane and then testing negative when they arrive here. Um, I just think that we have to do something creative, something innovative like that, whereby, uh, you know, we have to get back to being part of the world, you know, that's instead of being in isolation, because uh, at the moment, Hong Kong is in isolation. <laughs> Uh, George Cawthorley, I mean, the government's having to deal with a, a changing situation, a, a, a dynamic situation, if you like. Uh, it's difficult to m map out a clear roadmap, you know, a roadmap to uh, opening up again, isn't it, when you don't know what's going to happen next week? Well, I think the government really ought to go and look at Singapore as a case study, because Singapore actually did um, make statements, periodic statements, showing the direction they're moving in. I think it is, it is quite positive. They said, if we get to this stage, we'll do this. When we get to that stage, we'll do that. And I really think it would be worthwhile, if the government hasn't done it already, go 
putting pressure on their um, health uh, system. I mean, they have only 250 um, ICU beds, and they still have. They had they were averaging nearly 20,000 cases over the last couple of weeks. They still have empty ICU beds, so they find a way of doing it. Um, if we can't find a way ourselves, go and ask them. And, and, and a very low fatality rate, and, and yes, I think a lot, a lot, a lot of that thing. is to do with going, uh, going back to the thing about uh, the elderly, the elderly vaccination rate. I mean, obviously in Singapore it's much higher. Yeah, but there must be something more than that than just the vaccination rate, because they did have problems for a while with the vaccination rate. But the, but even right at the very beginning, uh, March, April, um, 2020, uh, their um, infection rate was higher than ours yet their death rate was much lower than ours. So they, they've got some secrets or, or subsystems that we ought to get hold of um, to make things better for us. George, you're in an international chamber. Presumably yes. the things that China itself has got to open up to the world sooner or later. The mainland, I mean. Yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> I mean, this is, this, is, this is going to be their challenge. Um, and I think, um, I mean... Before Omicron came along, um, you know, their um, strategy of zero COVID uh, might have been workable. Um, but once Omicron came on, and, and also once the rest of the world, most of the rest of the world at least, decided to live with COVID, um, they, they, they simply can't keep uh, their zero COVID going forever and ever, because that's the only way to keep it going forever and ever is to shut the border. But as you can see, even with their tight border restrictions, Omicron has now come into China, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how it how it how it spreads um, over the next uh, two or three months, um, because I think Omicron is something you cannot cut off. So even when Carrie Lam talks about, you know, when we've cut it all off. Uh, I don't think she's going to achieve that, and, and I think we should reasonably expect that it can be achieved. Mm. Mm. Um, this uh, is, a, this is an endemic, yeah. endemic virus. Mm. It's going to be with us. It's going to pop up. I, I agree with mm. time and time again. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's upper respiratory, and it transmits very, very, very quickly, yeah. unlike Alpha and Delta, which was in the long, <laughs> took a longer time to mm. transmit. Mm. So it is something that we probably will have to live with in China. I think China. Uh, uh, is starting to understand that now and uh, you know that's why they're making adjustments now they're giving out the rapid tests to their people because uh, before the, with the other uh, viruses you can do contact tracing very very successfully and keep it as we call uh, you know in, in uh, dynamic zero but uh, now uh, it doesn't really it's very very difficult maybe well we'll be interested to see if China can do it but uh, I know they've closed down Shenzhen right now and see, see if that can uh, if they can suss it out but I think that uh, we really have to look at getting back to life for everyone and I think that's really 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 important and I, I do commend the government I mean they've taken great steps that Professor Liang from Beijing was just uh, you know was, was a hero a godsend because he, he made sense in everything he, he did and he gave um, you know great suggestions that the government is now following uh, but I really think, though, we have to take it further. He's gone back to Beijing as of Saturday because they have their own problems there right now. And I think we have to just uh, 
carry the ball now and, and, and really get Hong Kong back. Well, we'll all be watching uh, very closely what happens in the mainland and in, in Shenzhen in particular uh, over the next week. But uh, thanks very much for speaking to us on the programme this morning. Um, Alan Zeman there, chairman of the Lang Kwai Fong Group. And thanks very much to Dr George Cawthorley, vice chairman of the Hong Kong International Chamber of Commerce. Uh, thanks to our listeners, to everybody who wrote in. And as always, thanks to you, Mike. Let's hope we have another subject one day. <laughs> well, I mean, our COVID-19 COVID update programme is going to keep going for quite a while, I expect, at least until the, until the end of the epidemic. But, um, yes, hopefully won't be too long away. OK, uh, a look at the weather. Mainly fine. Coastal mist in the morning and at night. Uh, top temperature around 28 degrees, light winds. The outlook... Humid and foggy tomorrow. A few showers in the middle and latter parts of this week. It's currently 24 degrees. Humidity is at 81%. Public hospitals are facing huge service demand. The hospital authority appeals to COVID-19 patients with mild symptoms or no symptoms to not go to the accident and emergency departments. For those who have medical needs, they can make appointments at the designated clinics for COVID-19 of the hospital authority. Visit ha.org.hk for details. For others seeking consultation at hospitals, please be considerate to medical staff and follow their advice. Together, we fight the virus. The new summary with Andrew Shirovsky. All 17 million residents of Shenzhen have been told to stay at home and prepare for three rounds of COVID testing. The city yesterday reported 66 cases of the coronavirus. Here in Hong Kong, health authorities reported more than 32,000 new COVID cases yesterday and 190 COVID-related deaths. The observatory says, according to its initial analysis, a 4.1 magnitude earthquake jolted Hong Kong just before 2.30 this morning. The epicenter was about 92 kilometers east-northeast of the SAR near the southeast coast of the mainland. The observatory said it had received over 8,000 locally felt reports of minor shaking for a few seconds. And the Oscar-winning actor, William Hurt, has died at the age of 71. His family said he had died peacefully among family of natural causes. In 2018, Hurt disclosed that he'd been diagnosed with prostate cancer. He was known for his roles in movies such as The Big Chill, Kiss of the Spider Woman, and Broadcast News. That's the news from RTHK. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Hello. How are you? You're not too bad at all. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. You never face some chat with me. Good Phil. morning. He's got the Tom and Jerry type vibe. It's a great experience if you just want to give a bit of zing. On your radio and live online, this is the morning brew. Good morning. And welcome to today's morning brew. Start the week. Great to be back with you. We're doing it as always through until one o'clock. We're going to start things off as usual today, 10.10 with Robbie McRobbie and his weekly rugby news. Then we're New York bound for more from our Big Apple correspondent, of course, author and columnist Tracy Kwan. And then, just hours ago, this year's BAFTA winners were announced. So after 12, it's another Marshy Movie Time Extra. Extra, read all about it. James is going to be with us to gloat a little 
sorry, his predictions, as will I, because I told him on Friday that I thought our boy would be 70% correct in his guesses, and he pretty much was, but he'll have much more to tell you about as well. So James Marsh, with me after 12, and as always, we'll be on Facebook Live, because we'd love to hear from you. Can be the lucky one 